Hey everyone, welcome to the Self Agency Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is a space where we explore, discover, and share tools, techniques, and wisdom to help you build and maintain a sense of agency. That kind of linked our paths. So I just know already that this is going to be such a good one. And when you reached out, Faye, I was just like, yes. Inner. Yeah, it was just such a beautiful, when I read everything about you and saw this conflict resolution and self-agency and developing personal ownership, I was just like, okay, we need to get into this right quick. So thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you. It's super exciting. (laughs) Mm, I'm so looking forward to it. So I would love to start with a little bit of kind of who you are and how you got into the work that you're doing now, because I think this the way that you frame stress and our relationship to stress is yeah. really intriguing to me. And I think that's going to be such a crucial point and topic. Hmm. So let's hear everything. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm delighted that this worked out, Amanda. I'm delighted to spend part of the day with you today. So um, my, I'm no stranger to conflict. Uh, pretty new to the path of conflict resolution. So my journey and my path started in an area of the world that is highly conflicted. I'm from the Middle East. And I was born in Lebanon in the Middle East just a few years before the Civil War of 1975. Now that war of 1975, it's a civil war. It was one of the bloodiest, longest civil wars in modern history. Um, Claimed, it went on for about... 17 years, it claimed hundreds of thousands of lives and displaced many. Uh, And our family was part of the statistic of displaced families of that conflict. So I was about five when we left the area of conflict. And I grew up with the story and the belief that, you know, we're lucky we got out early and we weren't affected by the war. And so that kind of grew to be my narrative. I wasn't affected by what happened, so on and so forth. Everything is okay. And, you know, we, externally things were really great. You know, I'm very, very grateful for the type of childhood and upbringing we had. But on the inside, there was a whole slew of internal conflicts that remained and persisted and grew and escalated as I went through my childhood, my teens, my early adult years, until about the time that I kind of was approaching 40. And then all of these internal conflicts really caught up with me in a very, very, very real way. Mm-hmm. And for any of anyone who's listening or people that we know about, we know that we mostly we only take time to change things and look at our lives when there's an undeniable moment of crisis. So there were many undeniable moments of crisis around the time that I was turning 40 that really forced me to look at what was going on because it became very, very clear that the breakdowns on the outside in my relationships, in my career, um, in my physical health were not just about the career, the relationships, or the physical health. It was really becoming obvious that the common thread was something a little bit deeper, right? And that's when the journey kind of started. And like for many of us, when we start off with these in these journeys and we don't really have much understanding that everything is connected and we are in charge and we are in control, 
um, I didn't really understand that I could change things for myself without the traditional uh, uh, solutions of medication and their nasty side effects, talk therapy, uh, and all of the other solutions that don't get to the heart of the problem. Mm. And so, you know, I, I started a journey that lasted about 14 years, Amanda, to get to the heart of, to really understand what's going on and unwind all of those internal conflicts that were robbing me of my life, my vitality, my health, uh, my sense of confidence, my calm and my happiness. So that's, I'm going to hit pause now because there's, there's so many other pieces to the story. If you want to ask anything, anything else, or shall I keep going? I am just so in awe already because that's, there's so much internal conflict that not only you would have had to process from the displacement, but like transgenerational trauma. Oh, totally. That, totally. Yeah, that in and of itself must have been like the unraveling of that. And being a trauma specialist yourself, you would understand that, you know, we carry trauma subconsciously. And, you know, my father, uh, one of the things that precipitated us leaving when we did leave is because my father was kidnapped three times in the span of a year and a half. The last time that he was kidnapped, he uh, was gone for well over a week and he was kidnapped with over 30 people and they executed 28 in front of his eyes and he got tortured as well. One of my earliest memories later on when I came, when I started doing the work, I, I went back, one of the earliest memories I had is me waiting on the window for my dad to come home every night mm. and the memory of the day that he actually was released and came out of the army truck like very victoriously you know that remained with me but then my mom also suffered uh traumas as well i mean the traumas of you know having her husband absolutely uh, and also uh you know she was um uh, orphaned quite early on in life and they come of that generation that already carries a lot of trauma even if you put aside the conflict the actual armed conflict there was a lot of trauma that came from that type of hard life they were born in the 40s you know so their parents were traumatized their grandparents were traumatized so it's intergenerational for sure for sure absolutely uh, so what yeah. does that look like for you to not only live with all of that, but then that moment, that 40 and being like, okay, enough is enough. I have to change this. What was it that allowed you to actually break this cycle? And what were the tools that you actually started to get into to do that deeper work? Because obviously it went beyond talk therapy. It went beyond those kind of more traditional modalities. Yeah. So Obviously, I wasn't conscious of this, right? I wasn't conscious of the trauma, and I wasn't conscious of all of the internal conflicts. And um, but when I I was conscious that things weren't going well in my life, yeah. And then, uh, actually, it was before I turned uh, forty. A couple of years before I turned forty, I happened to uh, program to. to uh sorry i hadn't turned this off and i'm getting some notifications i had planned this trip to lebanon um to be with the family and i hadn't been to lebanon as an adult in years and years and years and years and years this was in 2006 
And upon arriving, um, it was a real homecoming and I absolutely loved it. I actually fell in love with it. And um, I planned a little side trip to Turkey uh, for a few days. And when I was in Turkey, the airport shut down in Lebanon because it was in, the Israelis invaded and I was unable to return. And that was the trigger because I that, that sense of, it, it was trauma, right? It was trauma and then it was trauma that was resonant of all the previous times earlier in our childhood where we were forced out in a way uh, because of conflict. You know, there were a lot of episodes from that time that I left when I was five to that time I returned um, until around the time that I turned 40. Many other times where we had gone to Lebanon to visit and we were forced out. Right. So when I, when I couldn't return to Lebanon um, in 2006 because of the invasion, uh, that's when my body started shutting down. And I didn't realize that when I returned to my home base at the time I was living in the Caribbean, I was teaching there. Um, I started developing vertigo, nausea, and chronic headaches. My digestion was terrible. My sleep was terrible. You know, horrible, horrible feeling of sadness. Uh, I was unable to concentrate. Um, and then I started losing consciousness, actually, like... Uh, I'd be driving, I'd lose control of the car, I'd be working out, I'd just pass out. It was really scary, you know, when you don't know what's going on, yeah. you have no explanation for it, right? You have no explanation for it. You, um, you just pretend it's not happening. And when you pretend that it's not happening, it actually makes things worse yeah. because the denial prevents you from looking at the root cause of what's going on. So that was the trigger, that, that traumatic event was the trigger that then resulted in a diagnosis after I went for one test after another, after another, and all of the test results kept coming back negative, all yeah. of them. I wasn't relieved, Amanda. I wasn't relieved because I was like, okay, if you're telling me there's nothing wrong, why don't I feel good? Why don't I feel better? Yeah. And that's when the that's when the, the 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 questions started taking me to more questions, look seeking more answers. Yeah. And immediately the uh, even though I didn't know I, I had no idea of the mind body connection back then. I didn't know about any of this. I was a party girl. I honestly was a party girl. I was living life like many people, totally, totally, uh, totally on autopilot. My life was on autopilot. Mm -hmm. But I knew in that moment that, you know, I needed to do something different. Otherwise, I'm going to keep getting the same results. So when they prescribed um, talk therapy to deal with, it was the diagnosis was PTSD and depression. Mm -hmm. When they prescribed talk therapy, well, antidepressants, I refused off the bat to take the antidepressants. Um, they prescribed talk therapy. I went to the talk therapy and I felt worse. And that's that's when that's when I that's when the journey really started of seeking, mm. because I knew that if I didn't do anything, you know, I would I would keep getting what I was getting. And then I started with the conventional tools that you read about, you know, exercise, do your diaphragmatic breaths, um, do your yoga, um, regulate your sleep, uh, watch your thoughts. 
And I, I, I mean, those, those were okay. Those were okay, but they were still quite superficial because I didn't really know how, to, how do you really watch your thoughts? And then when scary thoughts what come out, what do you do with that? Yeah. You know, what do you do? What do you do? It was generic. It was not really helpful. It was a seed. It was a very important seed. Yeah. But, but the execution piece, like how do I execute in a way that's going to be powerful and not scary? How do I do that? That's when I started, you know, seeking for myself because mm-hmm. what, was, what was available to me at the time was not really meeting, meeting my needs. Yeah. And then, so that continued for, for about four years. Some superficial change, but not really much. But then things really fell apart um, four years later when I got a really scary health diagnosis. I manifested precancerous cells. And that's when I'm like, I realized this is obviously not working. Mm. Around that time, I had heard about something. Somebody mentioned the subconscious mind and hypnotherapy to me. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Let's go give this a try. It was incredible. You asked about modalities. It was incredible. You know, as we know, the subconscious mind is a storehouse. Eh? It's the archive of past memories, traumas, phobias, emotions, memories, limiting decisions, values, aspirations, and so on. So when I went for my first session, the therapist at the time, she asked my subconscious mind to go back to the very, very, very first time, the actual cause of all of the issues and the problems in my current life. My subconscious mind took me back to the time when I was five years old and we were escaping the conflict in Lebanon. And my mind revealed that there we were in the car. It was the middle of the night and we were escaping and there were like um, bomb shells falling in the distance and sniper fire overhead. And my mother, I mean, I was five, my little brother was three and my little sister was one. Can you imagine? And my mother was there with three kids trying to escape. So because of all of this, she was pushing our heads under under the seat of the car. I couldn't breathe. And my system went into panic mode and into, um, into massive fear. And that's what my mind revealed. Now, when I, came, when I came out of the session, Amanda, I was, this is how cynical I was. I totally dismissed that as a plausible explanation for where I was in my life. I completely dismissed it because I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, how could something... How could something that happened when I was five have any impact on where I was now in my life? How, how could that be? Yeah. And of course, now I know differently, right? Now I know differently. Because that, that trauma that was never resolved, that overload on the nervous system that was never looked at, remained stored and, and, and archived and, and was causing all sorts of imbalances that were manifesting themselves in the PTSD and the precancerous cells and, 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 and. Mm. And then from there, you know, and then after contemplating that for a little while, it became obvious that that's that's what needed to be looked at and that's what needed to be cleared. Mm. And then from that moment, things never were the same. Really, from that moment, things were never the same. I understood that internal conflicts are at the heart, the heart of the stress, the chronic stress that many of us carry today. Because there I was, I was doing, I was doing all the right things. 
I was doing, I was taking all sorts of natural supplements. I was taking my adrenal tonics. I was doing my Epsom salt baths. I was using my lavender essential oils. I was doing my kale smoothies. You know, I was doing my magnesium. I was doing my, my diaphragmatic. I was doing it all, but I was still anxious and tired and stressed and depressed. Well, there's all of these memories and all of these unresolved things in the past that had not been looked at. And there they were knocking on the door of my consciousness and on my mind saying, hey, you need to take a look at this and you need to deal with it. You need to resolve it. Yeah. As those internal conflicts resolved, things shifted massively and dramatically and very, very quickly, very, very quickly. Mm. And now that's why, you know, the work that I do is internal conflict resolution because it is the internal conflicts that's at the heart of these chronic conditions that we're looking to medicate or move away from by techniques that aren't really serving, that aren't really serving us because they don't get to the heart of the issue. So did you do your own internal conflict resolution on your own through self-research and self-taught or was there somebody that guided you through that process? Was it still hypnotherapy or was it something else yeah. that you found? It was a bunch of things. It was a bunch yeah. of things. So, um, so that's when I started studying and researching, you know, I've yeah. spent like 14 years doing this, uh, countless hours. I've spent about $165,000 worth of like trainings, courses, certifications, digging, you know, because I want, you know, something that's lasting for me. So they, uh, I, I, it was the modalities of the access to subconscious mind that were very powerful. So hypnosis and NLP and timeline therapy that work on the, um, the, the, the impacted emotions, belief systems, and value systems that are in conflict, misaligned, and not fulfilled. Yeah. Um, that's so important to, to work on a subconscious level. But also, and it does not stop there, because that's really important, but that's one piece. But then there's the piece of working on the nervous system level. Yeah. You know, like, what do you do to regulate your nervous system? So the yoga is incredible. The breath work is incredible. But like, for me, what has really been very healing and restorative have been the, um, the, the deep relaxation practices from yoga, like Yoga Nidra and Iris particularly the iris has been very, very supportive to regulate the nervous system again and to anchor the body and the physiology in, um, uh, to anchor the body in the physiology of okayness and trust and safety. Because as you know, with trauma, there's that, that perception of lack of safety gets caught in your bones and your cells. Yeah. So you know, teaching the body, teaching the body in the way the body understands that actually the world is safe, that you are okay, there's nothing to fear. To fear. That, that's been really, really, really powerful. Uh, the other piece also is um, looking at ways to release the deep tensions from the physical body that come from stress and trauma. Because, you know, our mind lives in our body. It doesn't live between our ears. And so when there's all of these unresolved issues that happen, it's going to create tensions in our fascia and our organs in our myofascia and our meridians so working with the practices like yin yoga like eft like meridian work um, like qigong to release and balance those the, the physical body as well 
Yeah. Um, aromatherapy as well, I use massively powerful. So it really has been a, a huge journey of all of these ancient wisdoms. You know, they're all ancient wisdoms that are now being backed by science and neuroscience, which is great, Amanda, because it now, because neuroscience is the currency of the modern way, it now, this is why these modalities are, are gaining more acceptance and they're becoming more and more mainstream because the neuroscience is actually backing up what has all been, it's fantastic. And I really, I, my prediction is within the next 10 years, what we do is going to be the first port of call. Mm -hmm. I think so too, absolutely. Because it is, there's just so much to it because it is ancient. Like it, yeah, it's lasted this long for a reason because it works. Yes. Totally. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, because I have very conflicting kind of schools of thought around what it looks like to relive these moments. And there's one school of thought that is you have to, so say talk therapy or even in some cases with hypnotherapy, you're re-experiencing that trauma because your brain doesn't understand that you're not in that moment when you're imagining mm. it. So same yeah. physiological response is happening. Mm -hmm. Same hormones yeah. are coursing through your body. So for some, it is a re-traumatization really. Yeah. So yeah. how have you navigated it in a way that has allowed you to not re-traumatize and to move forward and be more solution-based? Yeah. What has that Easy. looked like? easy so the key the key to that is to access the part of the brain that does the opposite of the trauma and that part of the brain which is the the parasympathetic right so when you so in the work that i do in clinic but but i imagine i mean i don't want to speak for other um uh, trauma specialists as well um, you're we're anchoring in uh, positive experiences, right, mm. of physical safety grounding, but also you're, um, you're deepening the relaxation response. When you're deepening the relaxation response, you're moving away from the limbic part of the brain where the trauma is stored and archived, mm. and you're in another part of the brain where potentiality exists, where infinite possibility exists, and that's where you can um, re, where you can edit the memory. Because really, the work that I do is editing the memory, right? So you're not revisiting. So of course, I mean, it's not as if you're 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 deleting the memory from the data bank of the subconscious because you can't do that. Yeah. But what you're doing, and when you are grounded in the physiology of okayness and trust in your body, you totally feel it in your body. The brain waves are massively relaxed. The nervous system is in that network of the brain that does potentiality and infinite possibility then the memory the event gets encoded in a different way where <coughs> that isn't re-triggering because it's kind of like you're witnessing it yeah and you're just re-scripting it the way you want it to be scripted in your mind and the way here's another key for re-scripting and for integrating um any kind of memory that is troubling is taking the learnings and the resources from it because mm -hmm. behind every behind every uh, uh, loaded event in our past, there is a big resource or a big lesson that has come from it. 
when you take that in that grounded state in that part of in your in that mind state that is so expansive the recoding happens instantly and it's amazing how quickly these shifts happen amanda it like amazes me and it amazes yeah. me it's amazing how it happens yeah i, think I hope that has answered i hope that's answered your question absolutely yeah it's a, it's very similar to the way in which i work it's very much that space of anchoring creating that sense yeah. of safety and it's kind of like that titration you know like it's yes. a little bit here a little bit there and then it's yeah. like okay as we go into the discomfort you can also parallel it to the comfort yes. and hold space for both yes so it's yeah that absolutely answered it so what do you think would be so say somebody listening who's like oh I, I feel like I've tried it all. I feel like I've done everything that I can do to either navigate this trauma or come to terms with it or try to move through it, whatever people's dialogue is around their, their situation. Are there mm -hmm. three things that people could do like right after they listen to this episode at home with themselves to find a sense of safety in their body and to start to build a more resilient practice while they find different techniques and modalities that work for them? Yeah. I'm sure in the work that you do, similar to the work that I do, you come, people come to you as like when they've tried everything, right? And um, it's just the way they, it is for now. But I, as I said, I don't predict that's going to be the case for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> really important um, is to find a way to um to navigate the negative thinking uh, because it's the negativity bias that's behind a lot of these mental health tensions and these 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 um conditions that really deplete us right mm -hmm. so in whatever way works for you to keep the negativity bias in check so some of my favorite ways to keep the negativity bias in check are practicing the opposite of negativity positivity okay think about you don't want to call it gratitude you call it whatever you like just notice the positive around you there's always positives around us always and when you are in a space of positivity you know noticing the good appreciating the good feeling thankful for the good the brain cannot do the negative at the same time because it's two totally different networks of the brain the part of the brain that does the problem, that does the negativity, cannot do the gratitude and the appreciation at the same time. This is why the practices of gratitude have probably become so mainstream and are so effective for, for, for mental health conditions because they rewire the negativity that keeps us stuck in trauma and any mental health conditions. So what can you do? Ask yourself. I mean, it can be the practice of gratitude, but what can you do to bring more positivity in your, into your day and into your life. That's number one, because that's really going to keep the, neg the negativity bias in check. Mm -hmm. The second one, which is related to the first one, is please, 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 please be mindful of your relationship with technology, particularly social media. Particularly, I am such an evangelist. I evangelize about this, Amanda. Honest to God, one of the very first thing, actually, it is the first thing I do with in my in my uh, powerful trauma release protocol. The first thing that I do is I have my clients sign a digital pledge, 
And they tell me, they tell me that after one night, after one night, after 24 hours of applying a little bit of discipline, they wake up the next morning feeling better. Yeah. I mean, there is so, you're talking about negativity bias, the social media is going to make you feel more negative about what's, what's currently, what your perception of what's wrong in your life. Yeah. It takes you out of yourself. It puts you in reactive mode. Uh, it gets you into comparison mode. And worse, all, worse of all is you end up consuming the emotions and the thoughts and the beliefs of what is on the screen. So you're totally disconnected with how you really feel, what you really think. Yeah. I'm going to take that one step further around practical things with social media. Please, please, please make sure that in those moments before sleep and in those moments upon awakening, that you are not on social media and you're doing something like noticing the positive things or thinking about the positive things in your life or in your day. Like maybe putting your hand on your belly and just noticing that you are breathing and that you're alive for God's sake, you know, because that breath gives you life. Whatever it is, find something else to do within those two minutes, something else to replace the scrolling with in those two minutes before sleep and after awakening. Hugely important, hugely. So the first one is find a way to keep the negativity bias in check. The second one is monitor your use of social media. And the third one is find a way to get into the body or to engage your senses. Because when you are engaging your senses, you're here. You're not in the past and you're not in the future, right? When you're noticing the sights, the sounds, the smells, the sensations, the tastes, the aromas, your mind isn't traveling. When you're noticing how your body feels as you're stretching or how the body feels as you're maybe doing a soft massage, or when you're noticing how the body feels when you're in a bathtub, whatever it takes to get into the body and into the senses is going to get you out of your head and out of that negativity um, uh, center of the brain. Mm. So yeah, three things. Yeah, I love it. And very doable, like very accessible because it's, those are something that you have access to at any moment because you're putting yes. it into place. And I think that's really important because practicality is key and people need something that's digestible and easy to take on. And I think when we can become aware and conscious of our thoughts and just kind of like take a moment to become aware and then yeah. swap it give it something else, go yeah. in that different direction. And the social media one is just so, so prevalent and so important. It's, oh, I think know, I you, all the time. They, uh, there was a statistic that really, really stunned me. Um, so they, um, they were looking at the rate of depression and mental health in teens uh, uh, predating 2009, 2007, when the social media and the iPhone came out. So for all of those years, the rates of depression and mental health for like teens and young adults was pretty stable, pretty, pretty stable. And then from 2009, from to around 2007, 2008, when the social media came up, it has been an exponential uh, incline. 
you know, of the rates of depression and, and mental health. And I predict that is going to continue to grow exponentially if we don't find a way to have the social media work for us instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it feeds into social anxiety. We totally. don't have the tools to interact with people face-to-face anymore because yeah. we're used to being able to just have hard, vulnerable conversations via email or via text or via Instagram. And then when you have to -to face-to-face have those, we don't have the emotional intelligence anymore. So social anxiety is through the roof. Comparison is devastating. It's one of the highest things that's related to anxiety and depression now is that comparison piece of, because we forget that we're only seeing people's highlights and filtered versions of their lives. And when we look at that, it's all of this, oh, I don't have that. I don't look like that. And it's like, well, there's, you actually don't even know. Wrong with me. Yeah. And we don't even know if that person actually looks like that. <laughs> like there's, I or saw. Actually it actually feels like that. Yeah, exactly. There's like, there's apps now where you can literally Photoshop your body on Instagram within like seconds. Yeah. Like it, yeah. we just can't live into that space and think that that's reality and think that that's yeah. worth comparing to. So I think it's really important that space away from it to reconnect to our own beliefs, our own values, our own sensations of like, what does this feel like in my body and what do I yeah. need? I think that's so, yeah. so important. So when you're working with people now, tell me more about your process of this internal conflict resolution and what it would look like to navigate it with someone. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, uh, after, so that journey of mine that started in 2006 and that has spanned 14 years, you know, countless hours of study, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of certificates and mentorships and so on, basically culminated in the, to a proprietary system with seven key steps. And I like to think of those seven key steps as actually like seven um, practical, actionable things that you can do right away. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually have, um, and it's being developed as we speak, I have a video, uh, like a little crash course, a 15-minute crash course on that seven-step process with a viewing guide. If any of your listeners would like it, I'm very happy to make that available to them because it takes you through the seven steps. And very quickly, the seven steps are, and it's no in no particular order, assuming responsibility. Like you've got to want to have things be different than they are. And you've got to be ready, you know, to, to uh, do things slightly differently in your life right Mm -hmm. the other one is resolving internal conflicts you know and resolving internal conflicts means you know looking at all the limitations all the things that are limiting you and blocking you and keeping you from where you want to be so it's memories from the past it's fears it's phobias it's uh you know outdated programs of thinking it's values that aren't aligned it's forgiveness work that needs to happen it's a whole it's basically all the internal stuff that's getting in the way of what you want and the way to identify your internal conflicts is you think about what you want and what you envision for your life and you look at where you are now the reason you're not where you want to be is because there's stuff on the inside that's keeping you from getting there Mm -hmm. those are the internal conflicts right 
So we need to resolve the internal conflict. So that's step, well, it's not really step number two. It's a part of the seven step process. The other one is you've got to release tensions from the physical body. Now, if you want to be well and healthy and vibrant, which we all do, calm, happy, confident, energetic, you need to release the tensions from the physical body, from the nervous system, from the breath, from the deeper physical structures of the body as well, the fascia, the myofascia, mm -hmm. the meridians. The next thing you've got to do is you've got to connect to resources, internal and external resources. We all have an abundance of resources on the inside and also lots of resources and possibilities and opportunities on the outside that we are not tapping into. And connection is a cornerstone of mental health. And so the more you start cultivating that connection on the inside and on the outside, you start to feel different in yourself and in your life. The other piece is keeping the negativity bias in check, which we talked about. And that's huge. That's huge. And all my programs, everything that I do actually um, incorporates all seven, but especially that one, you know, working on that one, because by default, we are biased towards negativity. If we don't do something about it, we're going to remain in that negative space. Yeah. The other one is resetting the nervous system, which is huge. It's huge. Because we're born, just like we're born with uh, um, faculties and mechanisms that do stress in order to keep us alive, we're born with faculty systems and mechanisms to help us thrive and have quality of life and have and have magic in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. but, but the breakdown happens is that we override that and we don't uh, take time or build in time after traumatic life experiences, after a really big day, a big week at the office, after a really stressful conversation, after a really difficult moment to feel that and allow it to flow through the body so it ends up getting locked in. Resetting the nervous system is essential. The other, the last piece to that proprietary system is learning to relate to stress differently because there is now a lot of evidence from mindset science, from the new science of stress, that there's a lot of benefits to stress, that stress can actually be fuel. It can fuel your creativity, your performance, your productivity, your sense of meaning, your sense of purpose. But the key, Amanda, is to change your perception and your mindset. And so that's part of the work that I do. So those are the seven pieces, the seven aspects, the seven dimensions that I've weaved into the systems that I incorporate into my programs, my packages, and my, and my courses to help professionals overcome their internal difficulties to live the life that they want. Mm, I love that so much. Every one of those, I was like, yep, we need more of that. Yep, I can, yep, got it. Love it. So, so good. Because it is, it really is, like that's the essence of what this all comes down to. And I love, love, love that you opened with personal responsibility. Like that accountability piece is crucial because what I find is quite often this idea of something external has to fix me. Yes, Something exactly. external has to fill me or whatever that is. And I'm sorry, but no, it, it really does have to come from that space of owning that there's something 
either wrong or something that you want done differently from the inside out, whatever that looks like, but it's owning that you also have to show up and do the work. And also owning that you have all the internal gifts and all the internal capabilities and all the internal strengths that you need that have been veiled from you or that, you know, that you're not conscious of because they're subconscious, right? Or maybe they're like veiled because of the story you tell yourself or because your nervous system is still so trapped in that negative energy of a past trauma. So owning that and also when you own that, then nobody can take the the change from you. It's yours to keep for life because it's no longer dependent on anything else around you. Yeah. It is totally who you are. It becomes your identity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where it can be so nice to work with different practitioners and to try different modalities, but it's almost like reminding yourself that whenever something works, it's simply because they reminded you and brought you back to that place in yourself that had that capacity. It's not something that they did. It's they reminded you and showed you and said, okay, well, there it is. Like there's that tool that maybe you forgot about or didn't really even notice that you had, but now you see it. And I think that's where collectively working together through it, but also like really grounding into that space of personal ownership and agency and saying like, I've got this, I've got a tribe around me to help, but I've got this. And I really, really love that. Mm. Say, I could talk to you for at least 17 hours. And I know that I have to respect your It's just so good hearing everything. I'm like, can we just dive into it all? But I will respect your time because I know a lot of people need to talk to you and learn from your insights but i do have one more question for you sure go for it so when you think of the world as it is today whether it's local or if you want to think about it globally is there one big change that you would want to see made or one big norm that you would want to see disrupted and why I actually, um, I feel that this is a safe space to reveal what I really think about what's going on in our world right now. I think that you and your listeners would resonate to this thought that I have on the inside, that there's massive opportunity, I think, in what's going on right now. Mm. And I think what's going on right now is a pointer to uh, the current status quo, not working on an individual, on a community, on a national and international global level, right? And, uh, and again, we're talking about discomfort, right? Because with that conflict, because that's conflict, right? With that conflict, there's discomfort. Yeah. And, and we're reacting to this, this, to the discomfort. I understand. I totally understand because, you know, the, the, the discomfort has actually been very real for a lot of people who have lost jobs and loved ones and been ill. And so I don't dishonor that at all. I don't dishonor it at all. However, I know that conflict is a continuum and at the far end of the continuum, there is peace and potential and prosperity. And I feel right now that this is, uh, we're paving our way uh, on that path off, on that continuum towards those ideals and towards those, those outcomes. 
And I really feel that it's a very exciting time to be alive and a very exciting time to witness what's going on collectively and for me individually to really like just observe myself and witness myself. And my gosh, this year, it's been the fluctuations of everything for all of us. It's been a very, it's a really interesting time to be alive. And I think maybe for, you know, for, for people like us who, you know, do the work and are interested in, 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 in the work, we understand that uh, this is a unique moment in our personal history as well. Because I don't know about you, but I've had so many things come up for me this year that have been great opportunities for, for resolution, great opportunities for resolution. And I'd like to think that, that collectively on a global level that we're all looking to resolve all of the inequities and the disparities and the, you know, and all of that stuff that hasn't been working for us to be at our very best. Mm. does that answer your question oh my gosh does it ever yes (laughs) and it leaves me in such a space of hope which is really nice because often when I ask that question it it really does come from like my inner like advocate and activist who's like Mm. I just want to make this world a better place and however I do it I don't care but to hear that I'm like oh right there is that that hope and that that positive side of things where we can really look at this as an opportunity. And I think it's that openness of saying right now is the time to get really clear on what's not working and be the change maker that you want to be and disrupt the things that aren't working. And actually, again, take that self ownership and say, where am I having a part in this? Where am I showing up in equity and lessening the gap here or inviting people into the conversation over here so I think that's a beautiful way to wrap this up you know and part of of you're saying about you know taking ownership is also taking ownership about noticing the actual good that's happening around us right now and we're being called to work together for the first time you know like you know leaders and nations have been finding ways to tear each other apart now we're all forced to come together as a world to find a solution for this You know, there's a lot of actual good that is happening just in the part of the world that I'm born in that is just renowned for conflict. In the past month, we've had three concrete positive movements towards peace. There's been peace treaties signed in the Middle East that has been unprecedented between Israel and, and nations in the Middle East. So there really is a lot of good and potential that's going on out there. And again, it's taking the ownership to open up the lens of awareness to rest on those things that are happening out there. And that's taking ownership, isn't it? Like, look, I'm not going to just believe what I'm told and I'm not going to remain in the story I've told myself or the story people have told me to believe. You know, I want to create my own story by sharpening my noticing lens and sharpening where, where I'm resting my attention. That's such a beautiful reminder because especially with what we were talking about with social media of this this idea that we know that what we see on our news feeds is crafted for us. We know that it's filtered in ways of fear mongering and scarcity. And like, we know this. Yeah. And it's that reminder that it's actually not all bad and it's not all this negative stuff that we're seeing constantly. And that's a really beautiful reminder to me as well to just, to really like craft what I want to see and really be intentional with the information that I seek out and how I digest that information. Because I think there can be such 
Like you don't think to look to those things because we're so used to hearing conflict in the Middle East, period. Yeah. End of story. And that's, then that's what we believe. Yeah, exactly. And then I sit here and I'm like, how did I not even know that three different events had happened towards peace? Like that's a really, that's a big reality check for me to say like, where are you actually getting your news? Where are you actually, and why aren't you hearing these things? Why aren't these things trickling into your awareness? So because it's not mainstream media either, right? Because it's not what the mainstream right now wants you, where wants your attention to be or your lens of awareness to be. Yeah. And of course, my lens of awareness is there because, you know, it's something that is relevant to me. That's, that's why my lens of awareness um, is there. But, you know, one last thing you asked about something concrete and a really wonderful, wonderful resource for good positive news is, you know, Ar um, Ariane Huffington from The Post. She actually has part of her um, uh, broadcast network or whatever. She actually has a good news channel and an impact channel. Uh, on her syndicated broadcast because she really believes in all of these things that we're talking about you know that there is a lot of good news happening but it's not being reported so it's her it's her initiative to actually offset that to bring more positivity into people's mindsets I'm going to link that into yeah. the episode description as well yeah. because the more we can see stuff like that the better oh Faye my goodness, this was wonderful. And I it's such a pleasure, Amanda. It's such I, a pleasure. So good. So let's do this again. And I would love to anytime. You know, you know where to find me. And remind me what you need. Remind me what you need me to send uh, your way. You're just gonna send me a little bit more about you, and I will share all of your links so that everyone listening Great. can find out where to find you. So whether that's website. Instagram, Facebook, like whatever it is, wherever yeah. you want them to find you, we'll link that Great. in the episode description. Great. So and that viewing guide, yeah. And I'll also share that viewing guide with you, or maybe if your listeners want that viewing guide with the seven steps, and there's Absolutely. also, uh, so it's a video and a viewing guide, they can contact me or you, or we'll find a way to get that resource to them. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. Thank you. It's wonderful to be in touch. Wonderful. I hope you have a lovely rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And um, thanks again for the opportunity to share my passions and my interests with you and your followers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>you so much for listening and if there's anything anything at all that you want to explore or you have ideas about and want to get into please please drop me a line you can find us at the self-agency advocate on both facebook and instagram and i would absolutely love to chat so let's connect